Good morning. I'm Anna Marie, and it's time again for Focus. This is a closer look at people, places, and things right here, basically in our own backyard. This morning, we're going to talk to a lady who's doing some great good in our community, Darla DeLeon, the co-founder and CEO of Steered Straight. Welcome. Thank you for joining me. Thank you so much for having us. We're so appreciative of you and your time. Thank you so much. You're welcome. So, Steered Straight. What is that? What's it about? Let's start from ABCs and get people up to speed. Absolutely. So Steered Straight is a 501c3. We are based out of Murfreesboro, Tennessee. Mm -hmm. We bring um, educational programming in assemblies for students, staff, and parents in the community on drugs, alcohol, bullying, social media, mental health, anything that the school wants us to address. That's what we do. What ages are you addressing? So we address a, uh, grades fourth through college, mm-hmm. and then we'll go to a church, a halfway house, detention center, federal, state, and local prisons, jails, um, anywhere they'll have us, we will go. What good does education do? What is the hope of putting education into the hands of the kids, into their heads? The only way that we are going to stop people from overdosing is to give our children the education that they need to make sound informed decisions about what they put in their body and the effects of that later on in their life. Why do you think they're not getting that information elsewhere? Is it just we had not thought to set that up and now we find that that's a need in our community and in our world? So they are getting information, but it isn't it, it is misinformed information. So misinformed information means that uh, you have Snoop Dogg who is trying to sell his product to our youth. That's yeah. who they're targeting. Everyone is talking about vaping. That is the number one requested assembly for students across the country. Wow. In a vape, you can vape anything. You can vape water. You can vape nicotine. Anything that will atomize into a vapor will be in a vape. Mm -hmm. So that includes THC. Up to 100% THC on a 15-year-old brain is detrimental. Um, You have marijuana. You also have fentanyl now which everybody has heard about in the news in the past month. Because people are dying from fentanyl. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, We just had uh, one child here in Tennessee this past week die, 16 years old, and 10 others were taken to the hospital due to they took a pill that was laced with fentanyl in school. So what do you tell them? So you get up there and you're in a Mm -hmm. a school assembly and the kids are gathered. Where do you start to get it into their heads, the knowledge that they need, and how to make better decisions? Well, first of all, kids don't care until they know that you care. Once we do that, we have them. Uh, For our our high school sessions, they're 90 minutes. We have them from the first moment because they understand, they can realize, even without a word spoken, that we care, that we are there for them. And so they engage And so what we tell them is the truth about what the gateway drugs are, alcohol, marijuana. When we start to tell them the truth about the things that vaping does to their body, that their lungs can be incapacitated, that their brains can be also affected for future use with a job or anything like that, then they start to understand that, hey, maybe maybe Snoop wasn't telling me all of the truth. Mm -hmm. So that's how we engage them, and they they really, really get the message. How do they know that you care? Do you say something? You said without saying a word. Is it just because you are there and your presence is showing them that we have enough concern for you 
that we've gathered all this mm-hmm. information and we want to make sure and get it to you. How do they know you care? So we had a student who came up to my husband after an assembly and he said, man, he said, he's like 13 years old. And he said, I thought this was just going to be another drug assembly and I wasn't going to tune in. He said, but from the time you got on the stage, he said, it was just something about you. He said, I wanted to listen. That's it. It's a God given ability for us to relate to the youth in a way that no other can. Why do you think you guys have the heart for reaching out to kids like you do? Well, we're parents, number one. We are people who are in long-term recovery, number two, both my husband and myself and a lot of our employees. We also hire people. We have two thrift stores in Murfreesboro, so we also hire people coming out of drug treatment or in recovery uh, from incarceration and stuff like that. Yeah. But that is our passion. Um, no, Without educating our youth, America's just going to go downhill. We have to educate our our children. So that's our passion. If we can help a child understand what happens to their body when they put stuff in it that's Mm -hmm. foreign, then we have to have the battle. So you say you're in long-term recovery? Mm Mm-hmm. Do you wish somebody had come to your school and given you that message? I do. Um, As a kid, I grew up with an alcoholic father almost all all of my life. I put my father into treatment three different times myself after I was age 18 mm. um, because my mother was just not having anything else to do with it. She was done. Yeah. And so um, as a kid, I, I don't ever remember having a drug treatment or a drug program come into my school ever. And if I did, it was it was something for a third grader. It wasn't something for me as a 10th grader. Oh, I see. Yeah. You were past that. Of course. And so so every program has some type of a, a target audience. Mm-hmm. So Darren went up to the sixth grade. Yeah. And it was on a fourth grade level where we come in. We have PowerPoint slides. We educate them on what we have visuals of what a, a vape is and what it does to the body. Exactly. They see it as a kid growing up. My dad was an alcoholic. And so I never wanted to do any of that. But I never had any of the help there were no where I lived in West Virginia everybody knew everybody and everybody knew everything about everybody if you went to the store they knew what you bought what time you got home before you did Uh, you know it was just like that so we didn't go we didn't go to Al-Anon meetings we didn't have AA meetings or if we did we didn't go so if I had any type of a, a, a person like myself who were to come into my school I would have talked to them. I would have waited till after the after the assembly was over, and I went up, would have went up individually myself and talked to that person because that is what the kids do. They come up after an assembly, and they tell us a perfect stranger the most awful things that are happening in their lives that they have never told anybody. It's heartbreaking, but I'm also glad that we are there as an intercessor between them and counseling or them and. Uh, programs that can help them like I needed when I was in school. Are you able to get them into those programs or get them pointed to them? We always usually have counselors, the counselors for the schools in the room, so that if we have uh, things that come up, they're just pulled over to, you know, they're pulled over into the conversation so that they can then uh, advocate for them and get them with their parents the kind of help that they might need. I feel like we are charged with being that intercessor for a child who maybe feels like they have no one. Yeah. 
And we are that for that point in time, we are that person. And so your lifesaver. Absolutely. Somebody threw them a lifesaver. Right. God gives us biggest challenges to us best soldiers. And so that is what I am. So I have big enough shoulders where I can handle it. So that's my husband. He'll he'll call me up and he'll he'll say, yeah, this little girl come up to me and she's being uh, assaulted in school or at home. And she he's like, why do they tell me these things? I'm like, Michael, that is God using you to yeah. help this individual yeah. in some way. And that that's that's the, the mission. So I love that. If you're just joining us, I'm Anna Marie and this is Focus and we're talking about Steered Straight. It's an educational program and it's being taken into schools by uh, Darla De Leon and her husband. They are co-founders and Darla's the CEO of Steered Straight. Would you let some of our listeners know a little bit of information that maybe they can take away into their daily lives? Like if they know somebody who is at risk, maybe a kid who's vaping, what can we take away from this that we can put into practice and put into use already? relationship you need to have relationship whether you don't have children you need to find children in your community that need relationship with somebody a lot of people nowadays are working two jobs especially right now to Mm -hmm. put food on their table and their children are sitting at home watching tv or playing video games and they're not communicating or having relationship with a parental person someone who can guide them yeah we Actually, for this reason, we developed a book called Table Talks and Dashboard Conversations. We developed that because, as you know, when we were little, we had dinner five nights a week at the yeah. table, and you didn't miss it, or you missed dinner. Yeah. But now, it's hard for us to even five, find one night that we can have dinner with our children yeah. and talk about the daily grind, mm-hmm. right? So, you know, whether you're in the car, you're picking them up from school, you're going to a sport, you're going to a ball game, you're doing some sport that they have or some event, you know, what you get. How was your day? Fine. What what did you Nothing. Versus we have a book called Table Talks that helps parents build bonding relationships or a caregiver to build bonding relationships. We've also found that um, our counselors in the schools that use this book are able to really help parents help themselves help their children. So it's relation. It's about uh, doing family field trips, whether they're outside of the home or in the home. There, you know, there's all different types of things. It goes for um, every week of the year. There's different subjects. Uh, there's uh, one on on drugs. There's one on different things in the book. It's just a phenomenal tool that we have that parents or the community can use to be able to build lasting relationship with children. Could you give us an example of one of the table talk uh, or dashboard? What did you call it? Dashboard? Table talks and dashboard conversation. Give us an example of a dashboard conversation. So a a child gets in your car, uh, you've picked them up from school, and you can tell they're really down. What's the matter? Nothing. You know, like, well, it gives you tools, like, like things that you can ask or like, you know, you can tell your child is there's something wrong with sure. your child. Yeah. And so, well, you know, what's wrong? And if you've be, you're starting to build that relationship with your child, they will really start to open up and tell you what's wrong. You know, this kid bullied me today or somebody stole my pen or somebody's, you know, said something about you or somebody. Kids are cruel. I mean, kids are really cruel, but it's up to our parents to guide our youth about 
how we treat other people. Mm -hmm. And so with that relationship, you just start the conversation. It might start, you know, how was your day? Fine. Well, tell me how, what, how, what, what about it was fine? Oh, what did you learn today? Nothing. Well, I know that you learned today that you could eat this at lunch, right? Mm -hmm. Or you learned today that you have a friend that you care about. True. Right. So it's just little things that we just don't really think about that are in this book that kids can really relate to their parents with. It it gives the kids a feeling that, again, my parents care. Mm -hmm. They don't care unless they know you care. And so that's really the gist of it. They don't care unless they know you care. And when you're when as a parent, you're talking to your child and asking them really, really specific questions then they start to think about what you're asking them. Mm-hmm. Well, why are you asking me that? Well, you know, I really care about you. And this is something that I think that we should talk about. Mm-hmm. So let's talk about it. You have an issue. Maybe they're having an issue with another person or maybe they they like a girl and the girl doesn't like them. And, you know, like they're feeling like they're less than they're not worth it. Then you can find out, well, you know, I like this girl and she kind of dissed me today. And but you're worth it. You know, that's what a parent would say. You're worth it. You are worth more than gold. You're worth it. And so there are other girls out there who will love you and want to be around you. So it's just little things like that that build and encourage up your child Mm -hmm. so that they know that you care. Did you come up with these? Did you have help from psychologists or counselors to come up with these conversation tweaks and these different ideas? Or is it something that you observed so we've been doing this for 17 years. Mm-hmm. And so we've observed, uh, we have directly related with some of these things. I am a counselor. Um, I will have my master's at the end of this, of uh, May in psychology, addictions and recovery. Congratulations. So, thank you. It's been a long road. I bet it but, has. Uh, yes. But um, so in that and with, with our own children. Yeah. Um, and the kids who come up to us after an assembly, it's just gathering that. My husband and I worked on it together um, to put these together. And then we did have feedback from uh, another friend of ours who's lost her child to overdose. You know, different people gave us a little bit of input. We had um, a doctor who helped us. She kind of edited it and put different things into it. So mm-hmm. it was really good. And yeah. so it was a labor of love from a lot of people. Oh, absolutely. It's all for our kids. Did you find your own conversational skills improving when you really paid attention to that and thought, like, say you're speaking with your husband. You go, how was your day? He's like, fine. Did you find yourself changing as well? Yes. My husband always, as a kid, he always had this thing when Smo would ask him, you know, how are you doing? I'm good. I'm good. That meant leave me alone. The handout, like a The handout, yeah. Just, I'm good. I'm good. Turning Turning you off. And so I don't let him do that to me anymore. So um, I'm like, nope, you're not good. <laughs> Put that stop sign down. Yeah, we're gonna. You're move not good. Ask that. And, he, and then he'll say, "Well, I had this little girl talk to me today, and she said this, and it's just kind of weighing on me." I, I'll give you another example. We had um, so after an assembly, our uh, the youth we have Instagram, we have TikTok, we have all of those things, and so for the most part, the kids will go on Instagram and they'll message us. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so we had a little girl, she says, uh, she messaged us two days ago and she said, 
well, my mom is in jail. My dad is dead. Uh, I've been molested. I've been this. I've been that. And um, I really need help. I couldn't sleep all night long because it was like 7 o'clock at night when she messaged us. Yeah. And so I'm like, okay. And she said, I need help. That is the call to action right there. Yeah. And so I said, okay, I'm here for you right at this moment. This is Michael's wife, Darla. I'm here for you at this moment. If you need to talk, I'm here for you. Yeah. Is your parent around? Is there someone, you know, a care, your caregiver? She's living with her grandmother. Yeah. Like, is your caregiver around? You know, she's like, no, she's working. I'm like, okay, well, I'm here to talk to you. You need to talk, then I'm here. Yeah. And then tomorrow we'll, we will get you someone to, to talk to you locally so that you have somebody on your side. But just know that we are on your side. And she was just so appreciative. She's like, thank you so much. She said, I really just felt like you guys were somebody that I could talk to. She was 11 years old. And is that one of the things that was weighing on your husband's heart, or was this a different story? Yeah, same story. Yeah. But that happens every day. It happens every day. Yeah. Yeah, every day. Do you mind talking about your path? Sure. That got you to where you were that you needed to go into recovery and now that you are in what do you call it in 17 years how, how long 17 years in, in recovery in recovery so i say i'm recovered because my god restores and redeems and he uh once once that's done you're a new creation and so that is who i am i do not longer no longer identify as someone who is in addiction mm-hmm. so um my path was through uh jail and through drug court in the state of new jersey mm-hmm. So that is how I got clean, and that is how I stayed clean. Were you a young adult? Were you a child? No, I was 32 years 32. old. 32. Mm-hmm, yeah. But I bet you had started with those gateway things that you were talking about. Never, no, because remember, my dad was an alcoholic. And oh, so wow. I didn't do, I was that good girl. Yeah. I was that good girl in school. You know, everybody, they, that's what they called me, goody two-shoes, because I never went to the parties where people were hanging out and doing things that I didn't prove of. Yeah. And I never was a drinker because I hated I, and I still hate the smell of vodka because it, when it, that was what my dad's drug of choice. Yeah. And so um, when I was 32 years old, my husband relapsed and we fought. We've been together for a really long time. We've been together for over 30 years and um, we fought and fought and fought. And I just could not get him to understand how this was affecting me because I'd lived that my whole life. Yeah. And so um Finally, I said, you know what? I'm done. We were fighting in front of our children, and that's never good. But I said, you know what? I'm done. I, I, I'm not fighting with you anymore. If you love this drug so much more than you love me and our children, I want you to show me why. That was my biggest mistake. Oh. I am that person who's never really, I, I drank alcohol a couple times. Just, you know, it was just not me. Never smoke. I don't smoke cigarettes. I've never smoked anything like that in my life. Those things. And so I am that anomaly who, Uh. who is that person who never tried any other drug, hard drugs or anything like that. But I went straight for crack cocaine. Oh my God. Yeah. And so that's how, like, that was his drug of choice was crack cocaine. And so he showed me how to do it. And now he had his roll dog. What is it called? Roll dog. Your roll dog. Your, your cosigner. Oh my gosh. Yeah, because he would he would boost stuff. He would steal stuff from stores and able to get money to pay for his drugs. Yeah. And so now he had me. So that went on for a couple of years until uh we both ended up incarcerated again. Yeah. 
And I did nine months in three different jails in New Jersey. And God touched me in the last one. So that's my redemption. Was it somebody who spoke to you? Was it just between you and God? How did that come about? So I, uh, I had had a long journey. I'd never been locked up before. And I was locked up for nine months, three different places. And um, I just had, a, I, when I got to the last place, I just had, I, I told, you know, I'm, I'm done. I couldn't sleep because my back would hurt because of the cots that they gave you, mm-hmm. all that kind of stuff. So I really hadn't been sleeping very well. And so I got into this room that they gave me. Thank God it was by myself. But uh, I opened up the Bible. That the only thing that I had with me that I carried. And I opened up my Bible and uh, just started reading from it. I grew up in church. Always. West Virginia. I was you know, up in church. My mother's been always been my spiritual mentor, everything. Mm-hmm. So I knew all about God. So I guess that's why I had my Bible. But um, so I opened up the Bible and just started reading. And after like three or four hours or something, I'm like, you know what, God? I, I shut the Bible and I threw it down on the ground. And I'm like, I want to talk to you. You know, and we had, I had a, a very loud, open discussion with God, a literal discussion with God. And so I said, my back is hurting. You said you'd never leave me or forsake me. My mother always told me that you were there for me and that I could depend on you. Why did I get here? How did this happen to me? And I just was very, very uh, upset. And so I lay down on my side and my back had been hurting so bad like that day. So I lay down on my side and uh, God just told me to touch my head, the middle of my back where it hurt so bad and the bottoms of both of my feet. And so when it did that and my hand went down to my side, I felt the warmest blanket I have ever felt in my life surround me from top to bottom, from my head to my toes. You know when you go to the hospital and you're in that cold room and they bring that warm blanket that's just heated and it feels so good? That's how it was. I can still feel it right now. Wow. And so that is how God, that is how God um, showed me that he was there with me. Yeah. And then um, the father, all of that week, I had I, that uh, that Friday, I had gone to court, and they had ROR'd me or released me on my own recognizance, right? But they didn't let me go. So that whole weekend, they never let me go. The whole next week, they never let me go. But during that time, I had all of these girls who were coming up to me. Will you show me in the Bible where it says this? What does Jesus say about this? Well, what did God do when he when this happened? All of these questions. And they, they were just coming to me. It was just coming to me. And it was, it was, it was surreal. So when I, the next day after that happened to me, I walked out and into our pod, which is a big circle. It has tables in it. That's where you have your food. You do different things like that. And so, um, I've been having a, uh, a, a discussion with another girl who was much younger than me, who thought she was going to run the pod and run me and that was just not going to happen and so i came out on one side and she was coming out on the other side she actually just stops in the middle of the room in the circle everybody is out there and she stops and she says very loudly as i'm coming she's like oh my god i see jesus in you and i actually turn my head and i'm like who are you talking to she's like you she actually turned around and everybody stopped. It was, you could hear a pin drop. Everything stopped. She actually turned around, went back into her cell and didn't come out for the entire day. That was that girl. And so then that's when everybody started looking at me differently. And they're like, 
what's what's who's Jesus? Who's God? What did he do? How did he? Why did he do this for me? You know, all kinds of different things. Questions that people question, you know, about themselves and their lives. Yeah. And so all of that week that was happening. And then um, on that Friday, we were in a we were in a meeting. We'd started a uh, Bible meeting. And so they came to get me to release me finally on a Friday. So it started pouring snow on April the 5th. It was like big, huge flakes. So within an hour, you could see it. It was like two, 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 three inches. So now I had been arrested with just a T-shirt, jeans, and flip-flops. They tried to find me a coat, couldn't find me a coat, and so they just let me go, right? So across the street is was Burlington County College. And so you go over there and you wait for the bus, right? And so I'm sitting there waiting for the bus, and I'm absolutely freezing. And so this lady comes out of the college, and she sees me waiting on the bus, and she comes right in front of me and goes out onto the highway. So it's really hard to drive because of all the snow. This lady actually turns around, comes back, and, sta- and in her car, she's before me, and she rolls her window down, and she says, are you cold? I said, yes, ma'am, I'm absolutely freezing. I just got released, and I have no, they couldn't find me anything to wear. And she's like, well, all I have is a pair of gloves. Would you like those? I said, Ma'am, if you want to give me those gloves, I would be greatly appreciative. Thank you so much. So she gave, gives me the gloves, and she pulls away. So I go to I put one glove on. It felt so good. It was really nice, you know, that really good leather and all that stuff. And so I go to put my hand in the second glove, and there's something in there. And so I, I reach in there, and I pull out a $20 bill. This lady had put a $20 bill in this glove for me. And at that moment, I heard God tell me, see, I told you, I would never leave you. I will never forsake you. Now you go and live for me. I've done that ever since. Well, thank you for coming. (laughs) (laughs) That's an amazing story. That's not where I thought this would go. Yeah. I think people need to really hear that there is a higher power, whatever whatever they think their higher power is. Um, But there is hope. There is hope. That's what, you know, when we go into the schools, we give the kids hope. And how can people get involved with Steered Straight? So we uh, we have a website. It's www.steeredstraight.org mm-hmm. because we are a 501c3 nonprofit. Okay. Um, Which means if you donate, it's tax deductible. Yes, that sort you, of get, thing. you can get a tax, uh, a tax form from us for that. Okay. We have... Um, we have a uh, phone number is 615-896-5718. That comes directly to me. Okay. Um, and then we also have in Murfreesboro, we have two thrift stores that help fund our program. Um, so one is called Steered Straight and the other one is called Steered Straight 2, T-O-O, because okay. it has more things like furniture and stuff like Excellent. that. So, um, you know, you can come into any of those and donate things if you want to donate uh, items that we can resell. Like I said, we hire people who are in recovery. We hire people uh, who are coming out of addiction. We help people who are homeless, who need uh, have a, a foster mother who got four foster children, all the same family. She says, can I come in? I said, you come and get whatever you want. So we help anybody in the community who needs it. Yeah. Um, we're doing a, 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 a toy drive. Someone that does things for the homeless in the community is collecting toys to, to give away in Murfreesboro for the homeless to give to their children yeah. because they have children too. Sure. So um, she asked, did you have stuffed animals? I said, I got all you need, whatever you want. 
So um, they can volunteer in our stores. If they want to speak to children, we desperately need speakers who have a really powerful story, who want to give back or who want to share uh, with the kids just like we do about life choices and consequences. Anything I've neglected to ask that you feel is important to add? We're kind of we're kind of new. We moved down here from New Jersey in uh, 2018, so we're here almost five years in January. We really need Tennessee to step up and get us into the schools here. Um, it's been a little harder for us to honestly. I'm telling you the truth. It's been harder for us to get into the Tennessee schools than it has in any other state in the country. Why is that? I have no idea. Some schools say, "Oh, we don't have a problem." Oh. Yeah, when my husband goes to the school, when we get in the school, they give him 40 vapes. The kids give him their vapes. He had 40 in one school. 40. They bring they, them to him yeah. after the talk. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, I mean, we need to really get into the Tennessee schools here. That's where we live. That's where, our, you know, we want to be involved in our community. And the kids here are just as important as anywhere else. So we need to get into the schools here. If they have any connections with boards of education or or counselors who bring the programs in, we would love to have a chat. Steered Straight. Steered Straight. SteeredStraight.org. Thank you. We'll post information on our Focus Facebook page. And uh, Darla DeLeon, thank you for what you do, and thank you for being a co-founder and CEO for Steered Straight, educational program for kids in school. Make sure you join us again next week. I'm Anna Marie, and that's Focus. Focus.